The previous Mishnah discussed the last opportunity that one is able to fulfill his obligation of bringing Shalmi Chagiga and an Ola And the Mishnah ended off by quoting the Pasuk, something which is bent can never be perfectly straightened again. The and something which is missing cannot be counted. The point being that once the last time to bring the Carbonis has passed, so it can't be fixed anymore. So the Mishnah goes a bit sidetracked to bring other explanations of that Pasuk. What is this bent thing which cannot be straightened, which the Pasuk is talking about? This is somebody who has relations with a woman with whom he is forbidden to have relations. The Holin men of Mamzer. And as a result of the relations, she gave birth to a child. That child is known as a Mamzer. And it's forbidden for a Mamzer to marry a regular Jew. The point being that when it comes to most Averis, one can do Teshuva. He can repent, daven to Hashem, stop doing the Avera. And he can literally straighten out that which he bent. And he can fix it. However, when it comes to this Avera, there is something there which is always a sort of reminder of his Avera, and his Avera is shown very clearly. And as much shuva as he does, can't get rid of this fact that there is now a Mamza in the world as a result of his Avera. And continues with Mishim Menasya, If you say that maybe the Apostle is talking about somebody who steals, perhaps you might say that since he stole it, and it's now in his possession, so he's also got a tangible reminder of his Avera. Says the Mishnah, that's not the case, because Yahulach Ziroi. He's able to return the stolen item, or if he used it up already, he can return the value of that, I- that item via Sakain, and he would have fixed that Avera. And so it must be that the Posuk is talking about when one does an Avera and a Mamzer is born as a result. Now the Mishnah brings another opinion, and Mishnah ben Yochai, Oimer, Mishnah ben Yochai says, In Koyen Me'uvos, Elal Misho Mosukam Vinis Avas. The word Mu'uvas, something which is bent, we only call something bent if it was originally straight and then it became bent. This is something which has been bent. The Ezer, and what, what is that referring to? Not somebody who has illegal relations and then a Mamzer is born. Who said that he was ever straight and righteous? Rather, Zetamud Chacham Aposhmanatayra. The Posik is referring to a Talmud Chacham, somebody who is very righteous and did keep the Torah and Mitzvahs and then separated away from Torah. That can never be fixed. In fact, even if he ends up doing Teshuva, that period of time where he went away from Torah, that he can never get back. And so in a way, this Pesach is really referring to any time which one wastes. One has to realize that he can never get it back. Mishnachis, although the obligation of bringing a carbon Olas is stated pretty clearly in the Torah, that when you come out to the Beis HaMikdosh for the Sholosh Regolim, don't come empty-handed, rather you need to bring Karbonos. Nevertheless, that is only regarding the source for the Olas However, the source for bringing Shalmei Chagiga, that this is an obligation, is not stated anywhere clearly in the Torah. It's learnt from Pesukim that V'yachogu can be interpreted as, as referring to Karbonos. And therefore also when the Torah talks about Yom Tov, that you should celebrate it as a Chag, so one way of interpreting it could be that there's an obligation to bring Karbonos, but it is by no means explicit in the Torah. Now this mission is going to lay out three levels of how explicit things are written in the Torah. There are certain things which we know from Torah Shabbat only, there's no source from Torah Shabbat for that law, but we have a tradition going back to Moshe Rabbeinu, which has been passed down through the Chachomim of each generation, and as such, we know that law. 
That's level number one. Level number two are things which we also certainly need Tosh Balper to understand any of the laws regarding this thing. However, there is a slight hint to it in the Torah. But it is, in a way, learnt from Pesukim, but the way that it is learnt requires Tosh Balper. And there are lots of complicated laws which are totally dependent on Tosh Balper, and there is only a slight support for this in the Torah itself, the Tosh Bersav. And the third level are things which, again, it's not written explicitly in the Torah, but there aren't many, many complicated laws which are all from Tosh Balper, and there's just a support in Tosh Bersav. The third level is where there is only a tiny support in Tosh Bersav, however, it refers to one thing. There aren't many complicated laws which branch off from this. Rather, that small hint in the Torah teaches us a particular law. Be as it may, says the Mishnah, heteronodorim, permitting vows. If somebody vows not to benefit from a particular thing, he has the ability to do so, it is now totally forbidden for him to benefit from that item. However, if later on he realizes that he can't really keep to his vow, he didn't realize the consequences of his vow, so he can go to a Talmud Chacham, and a Talmud Chacham can permit his vow, as long as he finds a valid excuse, that is known as heteronodorim. And says the Mishnah, It flies in the air. There is nothing in Tosh B'chsav which supports that concept. It is known only through Tosh Balpeh, and that is level one. Level number two, Hilchus Shabbos. The laws of Shabbos, and the Gemara explains we're not referring to all of the laws of Shabbos. We're referring to a concept known as Meleches Machsheves. Meleches Machsheves means that one is only liable for having performed a form of work on Shabbos if his aim in doing that form of work was for the thing itself that is forbidden. For example, it's forbidden to dig a hole on Shabbos in order to create a place for him to store things. It's a bit like building, constructing, so it's forbidden. However, if somebody digs a hole, not because he wants to dig a hole, but because he wants the earth, he wants to use the earth there for something. So even though, of course, by digging the hole, by taking away the earth, there is going to be a hole there, nevertheless, he is not liable because of the concept of Malechus Machsheves, which means that he has to intend for something constructive, and not just to take away the earth. And there are many, many applications of this principle, and it's learnt from Pesukim talking about the Mishkan, not talking about Shabbos. It's got a very light support, and yet many laws which branch off from this. Chagigais, the Shalmi Chagiga, as we explained, the Hamailais. Me'ila, the halach is that if somebody benefits from something which belongs to the Beis HaMikdash, it is forbidden, and he needs to bring a korban, needs to pay back, plus a bit of a fine. And so all of these laws which apply to Me'ila, that is also in level 2. And these examples are things, They are like mountains which are hanging off of a hair. Shehen Mikramuot, because they are learnt from a very small amount of Pesukim, not Pesukim, even words. There's very little written to support these laws. The Halachs Merubas, yet there are many, many laws which are involved, alright? And level 3, Hadinin, monetary laws. The Gemara explains this is referring to a very specific monetary law, and that is that in certain cases where somebody kills somebody, but he did not intend on killing that person. The Halach is, he has to pay the value of that person who he killed. But that particular halacha, v'ha'avodais, laws to do with the korbanais, and again the Gemara explains we're referring to a specific law, and that is the fact that one has to, part of the service of bringing a korban, is the act of taking the blood, transporting the blood towards the Mizbeach. 
It's not just a technical thing which needs to be done, but it's considered to be part of the service, just like slaughtering the animal and throwing the blood onto the Mizbeach, so too transporting the blood is considered part of the service itself. So if something is, if that's not done in the correct way, it can invalidate the entire animal, the entire korban. Hatahoros, laws to do with becoming pure, particularly through a mikveh, v'hatumais, and laws to do with becoming tome, particularly the amount, the size of something which is tome, which is necessary in order to make something else tome, v'arayas, and women who one is forbidden to have relations with. The Gemara explains again, this is referring to a specific example, and that is marrying his own daughter, which was born as a result of having relations with a woman who he was not married to. As it may, the point is, there are certain halachas, which the Mishnah is referring to, which they do have some sort of support in the Torah, which they can, which the Torah Balpeh sort of sits on. And again, although in these cases, again, it's only a small hint in the Torah Sav, in the written Torah, nevertheless, it's slightly more than the previous two levels, and there aren't lots of laws that branch off of it. And so that is level three, but the Mishnah ends off, both these and these, all of the levels are considered to be the main parts of Torah. Just because something is written more explicitly in the Torah does not make it more primary and more important than the other things which have less of a support in the Torah. And really, if you think about it, none of Torah Shabbat could be understood without Torah Shabbat There's not really any mitzvah which doesn't require Torah Shabbat as well. The Mishnah has just picked examples where those laws are more dependent on Torah Shabbat because there is so little in Torah Shabbat in the Chumash itself. Since the last thing on the list of the previous Mishnah was forbidden relations, such as with one's daughter who is not his daughter from marriage, the beginning of the second Perek also continues to talk about something not related to the Masechta. We'll go sidetracked, and then from Mishnah base we'll return to the subject of our Masechta. In Doshin Barayas Bishlesha, it is forbidden to teach about the relations which are forbidden, which are not written explicitly in the Torah. So, for example, one's daughter, who is not his daughter from marriage, one cannot teach about these laws to three or more people at the same time. The reason being that we are concerned that if, let's say, one of the people there asks the person teaching a question, and then the person teaching will start having a discussion with him, and meanwhile the other two people in the room, or more than two people, will start talking among themselves, and they will stop listening to the teacher with their full attention, and there is a danger that they are going to come to wrong conclusions, and to permit certain relations which are forbidden, as a result of them not listening properly. And because of that, one can only teach about these laws to one or two people at the same time, maximum. One cannot teach about the creation of the world to two or more people. The Torah says, When somebody will ask about the first days, and it's written in the singular, when somebody will ask, which implies that one can only learn about this alone from his teacher, since one can easily get distracted and instead of using the creation to strengthen his faith in Hashem, there is a danger that it will do the opposite. And so one needs to make sure that he has the full attention of his teacher, and that he learns about it properly, in the way that that danger will not exist. Some Farshim explain that we're not referring to learning about the creation itself, but more about what lies behind the creation, more Kabbalistic ideas, the names of Hashem. The point is that one can only learn this if he has the full attention of his teacher, and he is listening with full attention to him. And one cannot teach and talk about the story of the Merkava, the chariot in which Yechezkel went up to the heaven. 
and there is a very Kabbalistic part of Tanakh at the beginning of Sefer Yechezkel which describes what went on there and there are deep secrets which are hidden within that story. So the Mishnah says that one cannot even teach B'yochid. One can't teach this to anybody, even to an individual. Unless he was very wise and righteous and understands himself once you start teaching it to him he understands most of it and can relate to these deep ideas only if, you're on, if he is on the requisite level can you teach it to him but otherwise it is forbidden to teach about these things to somebody who is not on the level anybody who looks deeply and thinks deeply into the following four things it would have been better had he not come to the world Thinking about these things can cause one to perhaps lose his faith in Hashem. It can also drive one crazy from thinking about these questions. Malamala, what is above? What is above the world? Above all of the skies and the heavens, what, what's, what's next? Malamata, what's beneath the earth? Malafonim, what was before creation, before time was created? What was there before time? How can there be an existence without time? Malachra, what will there be after the world stops to exist? Since the world and time within the world is also a creation, so once that creation ceases to exist, what will be then? So these questions are things which we cannot understand, and it can drive somebody crazy, perhaps even cause him to doubt his faith, and so one should not think about these things. Anybody who literally doesn't have pity on the honor of his creator, meaning he shows that he doesn't care about Hashem's honor, and the Gemara explains we're talking about somebody who commits Averus in secret. If there's people around, then he would never do that. But if he's by himself in his own room, so then he's willing to do Averus, so he shows that he doesn't care about the honor of Hashem. He's, so to speak, denying that Hashem knows. And so the Mishnah says, It will be better for him had he not come to the world, because he's, because he's got to realize that at the end of the day, one is only in this world for a fixed number of years, and what other people think of you is so futile and pointless, but Hashem, Hashem knows everything, and that's what will last. The mitzvahs and avirus which we do will last forever. One has to have that, have that real realization and recognition of the presence of Hashem being there constantly. Mishnah Beats, the following Mishnah contains the very first machlokes argument in halacha since the Torah was given. Once the Torah was given, there was always a Sanhedrin, and whenever there would be an argument in Halacha as to what is the correct thing to do, so the Sanhedrin would vote on it, and they would come to a conclusion, and that would be the Halacha. However, during the time of the Zugais, which mean pairs, and that refers to the Nossi and the Avbeistin. The Nossi was sort of the very head of the Beistin, the head of the Jewish people in a way, and the Avbeistin was his deputy. So for example, Hillel and Shammai. They were a pair, Hillel was the Nossi, Shammai was the Avbeistin. So during the period of these Zugais, the non-Jewish nation who were ruling over them began to make things more difficult for them. It was harder to learn Torah, and the Sanhedrin found it very difficult to get together to vote on certain halachic decisions. And as a result, from the days of Yosef ben Yezer and Yosef ben Yochanan, who were a pair, this machlokes remained a machlokes, and they weren't able to decide the, the, the halacha. And it remained that way for a number of generations. Again, there was only this one machlokes which remained like that. Everything else was still um, known, they came to a conclusion what the halacha would be. But this one single machlokes remained for a number of generations. And by the time it reached the days of Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, so then there were many, many machlokes, many debates and arguments, la halacha, as to what to do. But before that, there were a number of generations where there were only, was only one machlokes. What was that machlokes? So it regards the mitzvah of smicha. 
When one brings a carbon, if an individual brings the carbon, there is a mitzvah for that individual to lean his full body weight onto the animal before it is slaughtered. Now it's forbidden to ride and to use an animal on Shabbos or Yom Tov, and likewise to lean on an animal is also forbidden. However, since it's part of the service of bringing a carbon, perhaps it is permitted. So Yisben Yezer Omer Yisben Yezer said, not to do smicha on Yom Tov. Because according to Yisben Yezer, it's possible to do smicha the day before you bring a carbon. It doesn't have to be done right before the slaughtering. And therefore, since you could have done it before Yom Tov in a totally permissible way, it is forbidden to do it on Yom Tov. However, Yisben Yechanan Omer Yisben Yechanan said, Lismoch, you should do smicha. The reason being that Yisben Yechanan is of the opinion that Teichaf lismicha shechita. That the smicha has to be done immediately before the shechita before the slaughtering, and therefore it has to be done on Yom, on Yom Tov, and therefore it can be done on Yom Tov. All right, and a decision was not made at that generation, so it continued to their students. Yushimem Parachya, who was the Nossi, Oimer, he said, Shalai Lismaich, not do smicha, Nitai Harbeli Oimer, but Nitai Harbeli said, Lismaich, you should do smicha since it has to be done on Yom Tov. Yudem Tabai, Oimer, Yudem Tabai said, Shalai Lismaich, not do smicha, Yushimem Shetach, Oimer, Lismaich, Shimem Shetach said, to do smicha. Shmaya, who was the Nasi, Oimer, he said this time Lismoich to do smicha. Up until now, the Nasi was always the one to say not to do smicha. But interestingly, now when it comes to Shmaya and Avtalyan, Shmaya, who was the Nasi, says that you should do smicha. Avtalyan, Oimer, Shalolismoich. Avtalyan says that you shouldn't do smicha. Alright, Hillel was the Nasi. Or Menachem and Menachem, who was the Avbeistin, they didn't argue about this, or at least it wasn't known whether they argued about it. But Menachem did not remain as the Avbeistin for very long because Yotz Menachem, Menachem left the Beistin and served the king. Hurdus, Herod, he prophesied that Hurdus would reign for over 30 years, and so Hurdus indeed summoned him. The point is, he left the Beistin and then Nichas Shammai. Shammai came in and became the Avbeistin. And Shammai says, Shaloi Lismoich, not to do smicha. Whereas Hill Omer Hill says, Lismoich, to do smicha. And the Mishnah notes that Horishonim Hoyunasiim, the first one mentioned in each of these pairs, was the Nossi, or Shanim Lohem. And the ones mentioned second in the pair, they were the Avbeistin. And this is with the exception of the last one, Shammai and Hillel. Hillel was the Nossi, Shammai was the Avbeistin. But as it may, this was the very first Machlekes in Klal Yisrael, which remained a Machlekes.